You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. You all can be seated, and any children here can be dismissed to their classes. Good morning. Sweet. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk for a long, long time. God, thanks for your goodness and your grace. Would you edit my brain, my heart, and my words today? Would you let, by your spirit, just light shine so brightly on your word? Would you bring it to bear in our minds, and our hearts, and our lives, the way that we live, the way that we lead, the way that we parent, the way that we child, the way that we relate with you as our good dad. And would you let that just flow through us in every area of influence in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Underwater welders, brain surgeons, teaching Kids who don't want to learn to pass state standardized tests, running into burning buildings to fight fires, politicians governing the divided masses with the hope of unity, power line workers, window washing high rise buildings, anesthesiology, being a corner in the NFL. Anybody? All right. Rocket scientists. All of those things are really tough jobs, but none compare to the job of parenting. Parenting is hard. Paul Tripp says this, he says, but there are a few things in life that rise to the level of importance God has chosen parents to be primary instruments in the shaping of a human soul. Is that how you think of parenting this morning? (laughs) Maybe you have in mind diapers and sleepless nights or or homework that you have no idea how to do because you don't math or whatever it is. 
Uh, maybe you have in mind social difficulties or implications. Maybe your empty nest and figuring out what it looks like to live beyond your, your kids being in the home. Whatever your role is, it's, it's bigger than all of those things. And it's not less than sleepless nights and heartaches and heartbreaks, but it is much, much more than those things. Paul Tripp goes on to say, I hate parenting. Well, I hate a part of it. I hate, the, I hate that parenting takes place in a fallen world. There's no concept of parenting in a non-broken world, so we long for that day. See, I begin here in the difficulty, and there are joys of parenting, right? We might talk about those. I don't know. I, I begin here because before I was a parent, uh, Kim and I, like, we had unknowingly developed a philosophy of parenting. You know, we, we were together young as teenagers, so we were just over time observing people, talking about, like, well, we're not going to let our kids do that, and, like, surely that's not, the, like, that's not the right way, and gosh, look at that kid freaking out in the supermarket. We're not going, like, we won't stand for that, right? You have all these, these, these philosophies of parenting, uh, but, but like with many things, it's easy to be arrogant when you haven't had a chance to fail, and... We thought we had it figured out until Titus, at four months old, learned to make himself vomit to get what he wanted. <laughs> and I remember, like, sitting there and thinking, no, no. Like, this, like, you know, this is what bedtime's going to look like. I'll show him. And then, like, okay. Like, I didn't have in mind changing the sheets every single night. And I, I, we thought we had it figured out until me just leaving and, and coming back to work uh, left me coming home to, to like a, a tiny daughter, Ireland, who, who made me earn her love back for leaving her every time I went to work. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, like you're 10 months old. How is this possible? Like, how are you guilt tripping me? See, ideals, they don't pay the bills. We have lots of great ideas. When we became parents, uh, we realized that, that ideas don't always play out. And, and there are moments, you know, as, as a dad where I felt outside of myself. And you think you, you always have to be in control, and that is something that I think a lot. <laughs> Certainly, like, wouldn't want my emotions to creep out of me, right? Wouldn't want that to happen. Like, hey, Michael's in a really good mood. How do you know? Scott would say, well, because he just came to my office three times instead of twice before 11 a.m. or whatever, you know? Like, Michael's in a really bad mood. How, how do you know? I don't know. It's a little quieter, maybe. So, so you think you'll always be in control, and then you realize you're not, not only not in control of your toddler, but you're not even in control of your own self. And like, that is for real, Something that happens in parenting. I, I was like, we put trees up and stuff last night. Nah, leave your judgment at the door, right? <laughs> um, and the house was, you know, there's boxes and ornaments and stuff all over. And kind of the kids went and did their thing and Kim was doing whatever. And I was like trying to figure out what I'm going to say about parenting. Like for the 50th hour this week, just looking at this and saying, I, and I, I'm watching Home Alone, like, like any sermon prep background, and, and, and I, I see uh, Kevin in the scene, and he's, 
he causes kind of an issue, but he was baited by Buzz. Like, that's just a fact. And, and so he's in the second floor, and his mom's like, go upstairs. And Kevin says, I am upstairs, dummy. And like, my heart, I kid you, I'm just like, because you're like, oh my, like, like the kid, seven year, like to his mom, I am upstairs, dummy. And then you're like, I've felt that. And it doesn't feel good, not on the inside, not on the outside. And look, I could talk for 100 hours about all of these things. Um, parenting is, is one of my favorite things on the planet. It's certainly one of the toughest things on the planet, not just because of my kids or your kids. It's just the nature of what we're doing. Kim and I were both um, education majors in college and, and towards the, the later like 300, 400 level classes, there was this thing that, that they like beat into our brain. Like, we want you to understand what, what it's like to be a teacher, uh, what it's like to see the classroom from the other side of the desk, right? And, and that's an interesting reality because most of us, like in some form or, uh, or another, have had a teacher and you've sat in a classroom and, and you know what it's like. Everyone knows what it's like to be a student, and the, and the thinking is you have to change that. You have to change what it's like to sit on this side of the desk and, and now you have to be on the other side of the desk. And, and parenting is similar. Uh, we've all been kids. We've all had experience with parents. And I understand maybe those are good experiences. Maybe those are bad. Maybe there's a mixed bag. Maybe it's been confusing. Maybe it's been unique. I, I, I get it. But we have all had experiences that have gotten us to this room. Someone fed us when we couldn't feed ourselves, right? Someone did the things for us to get us to this place in life. And, and parenting takes that experience and it puts parents on the other side of the desk or, or maybe on the other side of like the, the dinner table. Um, we have to be aware. We can't simply mirror what we've seen, and we can't simply swerve from what we've seen. And in many things in life, those are the two things that we think are the best thing. We, we get to do exactly what it worked. It, it felt good. It was the right thing. And so I just want to do what my parents did, or you want to swerve so hard from that. Um, but, but what we get to do as parents is we get to be purposed, not merely doing what has always been done, not merely swerving from that, but we get to know the Lord and know his word and know how that shapes what we're trying to do. We get to know where we have, have came from and how it shapes where we're going. Or we've used this in another analogy, but, but if you're driving, the window, the windshield must be in proper proportion to the rear view mirror. You have to know where you've come from. And if all you can see is the rear view mirror, all you can see is what's behind you, then you have no idea where you're going. But we must be able to look up and check the rearview mirror. Say, I, I know where I've come from. I know what's going on inside of me as I'm trying to, to make the way forward. And so we get to be mindful of that. And, and I understand that if you're struggling today, I want you to know this, you're in good company. If you desire to parent, but for whatever reason, you're not doing that. You're not able to do that. You're, you're not alone, right? S some of you have have lost children. So I know this is heavy and brings emotional uh, weight with it. If you are a parent and it feels like you are just the worst, even in this little room, you're not alone. If you find yourself wishing that you were parented differently, like maybe today and all this stuff that we're going to look at might take you back in a way and maybe the, the, the work that the Spirit's doing inside of you is, is to get you to look at your parents 
differently, right? Maybe you think you're nailing it, and all this hype about parenting being difficult is, is just, it's, that's not the life that you're living in. I would say two things. One, that's really good for you, and I love that. And two, like, let's chat, right? And, and, and I say that jokingly, but, but also I know that some of you are like, gosh, right now things are, like, and, and I'm super happy for you, right? That, that's a good thing. My hope for us today is not to just take pot shots at all the bad parents out there, out there somewhere, right? And, and, it's, and it's not to just simply commiserate. It's not what we're doing. It's not to, to make, you know, kids these days jabs, right? That's not what I want to do today, but it's to see and to show God's design for parenting and, and encourage each of us in that, no matter our lot or season in this life, to give us a high view of what God would would teach us about what this looks like. And so I just ask you this question, like what is your purpose in parenting? Because that will drive every interaction that you have. And if it's to make kids that are successful by the world, to, to make them rich and comfy and happy and, and have a car that drives itself and a, and a vacuum cleaner that drives itself and have a picket fence and two and a half kids of their own, uh, you know, all, all those things, that that's going to look different than, than if you have another thing. And, and the reality is there, there's probably some ditches. There's probably some parents who tend to be, I, I just want to be my kid's best friend all the way through, and, and they're the center of the universe. And I'll just tell you, that's, that's not okay. Super popular right now, also not okay. The other side of it, and maybe this was popular today, but maybe in generations gone by, like maybe you think that your kids exist to mow your grass and get you a beer when the game is on. Also not okay. For those in Christ, children are a gift, but also a huge responsibility. So I don't know, this is a stab at what the aim of parenting is. The aim of parenting is to love God with all you got and to teach your kids to do the same. Probably not seven tips on how to be a better parent today. The context of Deuteronomy is essentially a sermon from Moses or like a huge sermon series. And he's just urging God's people in the Old Testament, this is before Christ, to, to, to turn from sin, to turn to God. And, and there's all kinds of laws. And those laws are given from the Lord to give shape to what love looks like, which is the highest aim. That is, that is the highest law, to love God and to love others. And, and it's essentially the essence of, of God's covenant community, or is the, the family of God. Uh, my friend this week, I was talking about this, you know, preacher talk or whatever, and he said, ah, oh, man, people have been drinking from the well of Deuteronomy 6 for thousands of years. And I was like, yeah, let me write that in. That's true. Deuteronomy 6. Uh, I'm reading out the CSB uh, just in this focal passage uh, for, for whatever reason, right? This is the command, the statutes and ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. There's a, a land of promise that God's inviting his people into 
Uh, there's so much in all this. We can't get to it all, but... Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson. Foundation of God's community, generations in mine. And so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, again, mindful of what's gone before, mindful of what's ahead, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. What he's saying is, is this is the way of the Lord, right? And so the first thing that we're looking at today is a parent's aim is to show them the love of God. I want to keep reading in Deuteronomy 6. I'm starting in verse 4. He says, listen, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Right? In contrast to all the other gods, he is, he is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Parents, show your children what love looks like when love gets up and, and goes to work. Like in real life, what does it look like? Parenting only remains an, an ideal until you, know, you get punched in, in the mouth by this sneaky truth bomb that shows up. I think every generation we hear small voices from parents try to sneak this like teaching away and living a different way and it goes something like this. Do as I say, not as I do right? You say, hey, I need you to, well, but you're, right? Hey, we don't wear, uh, but you're wearing, yeah, but we don't drink, but, you, but you're, yeah, but we don't, like, it's all, and we, just, just do what I say, not what I do, and like, oh, though, that's it, but kids, they're sharp, they're on to you, like, that's tough, right? The problem with that is, is that's not the way God's community has lived for millennia. It's not, it's not the way God instructs and invites his people to live. In fact, despite the, uh, the, the public marketing that, that Christians get that, that we're a bunch of hypocrites, right? God invites us to talk in a way that we walk. He invites us to believe consistently with the way that we live, right? And that's not to say that his grace doesn't abound in our failures and all those things, but, but, but if anything, God's people get to be the most authentic of all people, consistent in, in thought and deed, in, in word and, and deed. We hear parents, I, I've heard many parents, I, I, many times it's, it's men saying something like this, like, well, you know, I don't have any kids yet, but, but I want to raise my kids in church. And so like soon as, ah, soon as, like the idea of like settling down, soon as I get married or as soon as I have kids, then like, man, you know, we're going to, Go back, you know, right? You want to raise your kids in church, but, but you want to do that apart from walking in light of the love of God yourself. You may believe in God, but, but you believe in something else more. That's, that's what your actions would say. You believe in enough Jesus to want your kids to know him or at least share in grandma's traditions but not enough Jesus to follow him in truth to the fullness 
of your life. You believe in enough Jesus to want obedient children. You know, like you don't want your kid to, to lie and you want them to be kind and keep the rules and, and not embarrass you in public, right? But not enough to love Jesus with all you got every moment and every day with every motive, no matter the cost, laying down your life because he has laid his life down for you. Simply put, the first aim of parenting, the, the big picture is, is this. Like, what, what do I have to do like, to be a good parent? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. See, parenting is discipleship. You should think of it that way. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you get to disciple others, one of the primary influences you have is, is children, Right? And, and kids know when you're a phony. They know when we're phonies. Even at a young age, hey, we're going to church. Yeah, but you've been living like the devil, Dad. <laughs> like, they're on to you. They're on to me. So, Mom and Dad, breathe in a world that cripples with all of the shoulds and should nots with all of the voices and all of the judgment, all of the criticism, too much screen time, not enough screen time, when to introduce veggies, what to do about dating, all the endless questions that I don't know. If you want to parent in a way that honors Jesus, in a way that shines bright the Lord's love, that lives out of a purpose that's bigger than just behavior, that's bigger than my kid is an honor student and the sticker on your SUV window. If you want to live for something bigger than that, then, then just for the next 45 minutes. Set aside parenting books. Lay down the pressure of, of the perfect TikTok mom that has unlocked all that parenting is at 26 with her two and four-year-old. Close out the mom blogs, the dad videos that make you feel terrible about yourself and make you think that your kids literally need different parents and follow hard after Jesus. Start there, middle there, end there in your parenting, follow hard after Jesus, know his perfect love, and be willing to show his love imperfectly. This is the beginning, and this is the way. And that by no means means that you forsake discipline. Well, no, I just have to love them, right? Well, you have to figure out what love looks like. It doesn't mean that you forsake discipline. God disciplines his children because he loves us. Right? That, that's what we learn in the scripture. It doesn't mean that you let them, your children, dictate the tone of your household, that you give them your calendar or sanity or the dinner menu or the budget or bedtime or, or tech rules or anything else. They don't have to have the keys to those things they should not. It doesn't mean that, that loving them uh, is an opportunity for you to worship them. That's not what this means. That's, that's not what we get to do. It just means that in all of those things, you fight to show the love of God. It means that you get to be consistent and faithful because your dad, your father in heaven, is consistent and faithful. It means that you get to provide sacrificially 
as the Lord has provided sacrificially for us. It means that you get to put their greater good ahead of your, right? It means that, that you lift them up just as the Lord has done us. It means that we offer grace even when it isn't deserved, just as the Lord does with us. It means that you walk in the Spirit so he conforms you to Jesus and yields the Spirit's fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Parent, child, anywhere in between, those are the things that show us where we're beholding the Spirit or where we're hanging on to something else. So if you look at your life and you say, there are places that, man, there are triggers that I'm no longer able to yield this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, but, you know, but money's tight and da -da -da. Right. Yeah, but like when they look at me and tell me, no, dummy, right? She was telling Kevin to go to the attic, by the way, right? She knew what she was talking about. What are the triggers in you that, that cause there to be rotten fruit? You get to look at those, right? So how do I show the love of God? I'll throw a couple things on the screen real quick. Love God in front of them. Not superficially, not just when things are great, but faithfully and deeply when, when life is difficult. Secondly, prioritize God in the things of God in your own life. That's what you get to do. That's, that's why you're here on a Sunday. Because you know what? It's a whole lot easier not to be here on a Sunday. That's why you serve and you got here even earlier than, than most of the other people. Because you're prioritizing God in the things of God. You're demonstrating that the church is part of your life. Three, assess where the fruit of the Spirit isn't present. Where are, you, where are you misplacing your hope? And the fourth thing, man, gosh, struggle in front of your kids. Demonstrate humility and repentance and forgiveness and don't pretend to be something that you're not and fail in front of them. Don't be too proud to go back and circle back on the conversation and say, you know what? I was wrong in the way that I spoke with you earlier. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, but I'm not going to give that spoiled brat. Well, you're raising him, right? I'm not going to give that, that kid, that daughter of mine, I'm not going to give her leverage or the upper hand by apologizing when they should be. And I would say, you're the parent. It's not easy. It's never easy to say that you're wrong. It's never easy to slay your pride. It's really difficult to go to your kid who just harmed you with, with words or whatever and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I messed up. But look, in parenting, you're not playing to win the battle on the weekend. You're, you're playing to win the war. It's a long game. You'll never bear any of that fruit, or you'll never be able to do any of those things by accident. We must labor in the trenches of a life in Christ. The second thing is this. A parent's aim is to teach them 
the way of God. Show them the love of God. Teach them the way of God. I'm going to read the beginning of chapter 6 again. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands. I am giving you, your son, and your grandson. Uh, the, the Mandalorian is a uh, Star Wars story-ish, whatever, and maybe you've seen kids in the last couple of years wearing metal helmets that look like they're made out of leftover trash. And I mean, they're kind of beat up and stuff like that, right? They have a style about them, right? But, but the cool thing about uh, Mandalorians is, is they have like a culture about them. Uh, one woman in one scene, she kind of has some power, and she's talking about essentially money or some precious metal, right? And she says this. She says, reserve some of that for the foundlings. As it should always be, the foundlings are the future. This is the way, right? That's what she says. And then everyone in the room, like, it's this consistent theme. And every time I hear it, I just think, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. So she says, this is the way. And then everyone in the room says, this is the way, right? And it's like, oh. Okay, like, well, that's cool. Everyone's in agreement that this is the way, right? She's talking about the foundlings. And uh, a foundling in, in Mandalorian culture is a, a child that's adopted by the warriors of Mandalore. And one says it this way. Uh, a, a, a foundling is in your care by creed until it is of age or reunited with its own kind you are as its father. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> see, see, in Mandalorian culture, they are to teach the way. It's like such a pervasive theme. That there is a culture about them. It's deeply entrenched in tradition and like what has gone before and are there any of us left and, and all these things. But it's also applying those, those ancient truths to modern context and those that are living, right? The way never changes. The way is the way, but the people and the places do generation after generation. That's the scene that we get here in Deuteronomy. We get those scenes throughout in, in other places in Scripture, but God's word is the way of God's people in light of his past, in light of his presence, in light of his promise. That's what we get to live out. That's what we get to believe and behold. That's what we get to live in light of. It's what we get to teach. All creation is his. All of it. He made everything, and without him, everything that was made would not be made. He holds all things together by his power. Not just gravity and orbits, DNA, the smallest things to the largest things. He holds it all together, and if he wasn't doing that, it would all it would all disappear. It would all separate. All creation is his, and yet he gives parents responsibility to steward and to shape children in our care for as long as we have them to show them the Lord and his way. And to be clear, I, I am talking about parents. I, I'm, I'm mindful of the elephant in the room, that all of us are not parents, right? I understand that. And some of you will be, some of you might be sooner than later. Some of you might be, might be far, uh, far way off, and some of you never will be. Right? I'm, I'm mindful 
of that. I'm talking about parents with children, natural adoption, any other way. But, but the community nature of, of this, in particular this passage in Deuteronomy, is that God's people, for us the church, has a responsibility to not only their own family, but to the family of God. That's why when we do family dedications, we don't dedicate babies, we dedicate families, because the baby's just chilling, <laughs> right? We dedicate families, that's why we ask parents, hey, do you commit to, to, to living in light of the way, Right? And then we ask the church, hey, do you commit to living in light of the way alongside this family? And we say, yeah. Yeah, I'm in because we're, we are a community, right? We, we are a church family, and, and, and we know that cults use that language, and we're not a cult, right? But, but that's what we get to do. That's what God's family has done for a long, long time, right? And I'm not telling you to discipline someone else's kid or to overstep your bounds, the, the unnatural bounds, don't, don't do that, right? Unless you have some permission from the parents, right? But, but I am telling you that, that just like we see in Titus 2 in the New Testament, as Paul writes to, to Titus, older men and older women, they get to instruct the younger. And we see that as a way of discipleship among God's church community. It's the call for everyone to teach truth to one another and to make disciples, so it's not just parent-child. That's special and, and unique. But, but we're all in this together. And, and there's this sweet passage that I couldn't get through today without reading it, right? 3 John 1, 1 through 4, and I won't spend any time on it. I just want to read it and, and show it to you. It's the beginning of 3 John. And John writes this. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. And listen to this. This is not a son. Listen to this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And look, if your parents following Jesus, and I've sat in your living room and over coffee, man, if that's not true, I don't know what is. That is the, that, that's the heart of, of a Christian parent. That is the heart of, of a pastor. There's no greater joy. The things that we celebrate when we talk about you guys all week around here is just little stuff. It's just the, just the little stuff to know that, man, like they're walking in the truth. That's, that's the heart of this community, to know that, that we get to celebrate when we see one another walking in the truth. That's the nature of the kingdom. What a sweet thing, but, it, but, it's, but, it, but it's, it's using parental language to see my children walking in the truth. So let's go, go on Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to start in verse 7. Repeat them to your children, all the things. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Just so you know, phylactery, this thing that, that, the, that the Jews did, they literally put leather straps on boxes and put them between their eyes and they would be walking around like, you know it looked super cool, right? Having a box, so they're like, 
I think the intention is like, hey, store the word of God in you. And they're like, all right, I'll strap it on my forehead. And then, then they wrapped leather like ribbons on them so that, that any time they could, unru- there would be a scroll in that little box and a scroll inside the, the leather and they could read that, right? But, right, right, that's what it said. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. And I would just say, do you think that Hobby Lobby doesn't know that this passage exists? When you walk through Hobby Lobby, you got to be like, yeah, it's Deuteronomy 6 right there. It's everywhere. Repeat the truths to your kids. Learn and teach the way of God. Use flashcards, right? Use catechisms. You can download the New City Catechism on your phone, right? Kid or not, 52 questions, one a week. Meditate on it. Read the question. Read. There's a the short answer. There's a long answer. There's scripture reference to support that. 52 of those. You cannot do that and keep playing Pokemon Go or whatever you're doing. Or you could take 15 minutes out of your week and, and just, just wade in that. that that's what this, this text is saying. Just, just make the word part of your life, right? Use the apps to remind you of scripture. Set your phone background. Use art in your home or your office. Get tattoos. Man, I heard a story not long ago of a guy, I think he was in Brazil. He was a, a pastor Super hard context, and everyone in the area told stories with their tattoos, and I know many people even in this room do that. This dude was tatted up, and it was the exodus and God's provision, and and so he told the story of God by writing on his body. It was the cross and and creation and rescue and and, and, uh, redemption and renewal on the other side, and, and all these things, like do what you have to do to make known the word of truth, but here's the thing. Those things, they're, they're not the thing. And you could have all of those things, and you could like have stock in Hobby Lobby. And you can be far from the Lord. You, you, can, you can be far from the Lord and know loads of scripture, but it is rare to be near to the Lord without it. You can't do it. Talk about the way when you're at home sitting around, watch shows and read books that give space to talk about the world and brokenness and and hope and God's promises. Have conversations when you're traveling. I don't care if you're going to Disney or to, to practice or to school or to grandma's. Be ready to let God's word shape hearts in those teachable moments when they win and when they lose and when they're injured, right? When it's easy and when they suffer. On hard days and in days that are unknown. My friend said something, I, th- I think his wife, it had to be a wife, she's way wiser than, than he is. Um, <laughs> she said, uh, sometimes we get to let our kids need Jesus. And I was like, oh man. Because I forget that I'm not all that they need. When you're listening to podcasts and when you see election Results when friends get in trouble and when friendships hurt, when their heart breaks and when they break your heart. Remind them of what's true in the morning and at bedtime. And what he's saying is just everywhere you go, morning to night, all the space is, all the moments are opportunities to make much of Jesus, make much of God and his way. Have a culture in your life and in your home that makes God and his word the essence of life, the heartbeat of all. All of this is to build a biblical worldview. 
You're laying the stones, you're laying the foundation that's built on Christ, no matter what other materials that your, your children will build with. Do your part to pour an unshakable foundation. That's what we get to do. That's what Moses is teaching them. That they might know God, his ways, what's true, no matter what, or no matter how loud the world is, to know that by trusting and obeying God, we find the fullest version of the fullest life today and forever. That's what we're going to do. So, so just do that. I love that pet. Well, that can be a bit overwhelming. Like, like how do I even <clears throat> see all that meets in different stages and different seasons of life? I, I had this realization. It's marketing 101 probably, but uh, I try to keep a pretty clean email inbox, right? I don't have 10 million emails, right? It's whatever. No judgment. You can do whatever you want. Um, I try to unsubscribe from unnecessary emails, but recently, for whatever reason, Domino's starts like sending me emails, right? And the first one happened, I was grilling chicken. It was 4.47. I got an email. I thought, huh, what? <laughs> uh, I, I thought, that's interesting, because if I wasn't grilling chicken, right, and Kim's the one that usually provides food for our family or we figure it out, right? Um, you know what I would be thinking if I got that email? Like, pizza sounds pretty good. It's like 4.47 and I'm driving home and we got to go somewhere else. Like, yeah, right? Time, timing matters. That's my point. Domino's knows that. You're being manipulated, right? <laughs> you know that, right? It's not an accident, Right? Timing matters, and that's true for, for the day-to-day -day in your parenting. It's true for the long game, right? To know when to find moments of impact and to know when to, as a parent, to shut up. Shut up. Like you, you have to be able to read the room. I haven't, I haven't figured it out. You talk to my kids. I haven't figured that out. But, but timing matters, and it's not just day-to-day, -day, right? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, Colossians 3, fathers do not provoke. Don't, don't make them bitter. Don't cause them to resent. Whew, that's tough. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And kids be like, exactly. I would say, I would say well, read Mabel. I'm on to you. I would, say, I would say read the verse just before that, right? If, if you're a kid, Colossians 3.20, you know what it says? It says obey your parents. And it's not. And here's the thing. The, we've said this a lot in this series. The command to you is not that your parents wouldn't provoke you. The command to you as a kid is to obey your parents, right? And, and as a parent, the command to you is not to make your kids obey. The command here is to not provoke, not cause bitterness in them. Timing matters in this, in the, in the scheme of a day, in the scheme of an hour, but, but also uh, as we stretch that out, we should be as parents measured and thoughtful and not overbearing and know when to press in and know when to ease up. 
all, I, I get it, all of it overwhelming, right? God forbid that our kids think that a clean house, that an obedient child, that hitting the game winner are the highest prizes. God forbid. So how does that, how does that shape your day? How does that shape your tone? Man, kids, pick up your stuff. It's like, don't use me in an argument this week. Pick up your crap. God forbid our kids think that that's the most important thing. You can fill in anything you want there. It's true for seasons, stages, phases. It looks different when you watch Bluey with your kid than when you're texting your high schooler about geometry. That looks, that looks different. It, it, it's different when they won't eat lunch in kindergarten than when they are parenting their own kids. It, it's, it's we must acknowledge relational shifts that come from stage to stage, and it's always in progress because the stages never end. And, and I don't have, I'm in progress, right? At some point, a parent is the primary influence of their kid. At some point, they are not. Parent, do you know that? And I bet you have a number and I would be curious what the number is and what the age of your kid is. And some of you that, some of you that are older, you're laughing because you're like, oh, oh gosh. At some point, parent, you will not be the primary influence of your kid. And maybe that's today, and you were today years old when you realized that. At some point, I, I don't know, I think that you have to shift to begin, you begin to come alongside them. At some point, I, I think you let them go and you become a support that you hope that the foundation you built brings them back. This is that easy, parenting in a nutshell. Just do those things. How do we engage with, with a world that's broken as agents of peace? Giving hope and, and the promise of God as our only ammo. How do we do that? How do we, how do we use God's wisdom on ideas of, of what we worship out of our hearts and on relationships and identity and sin and repentance and forgiveness and love and sexuality? And there's just too much. I remember for us, there's a show called Good Luck Charlie. And I remember it was a big deal. Our kids were, I don't know, four and five. And, and one of Charlie, one of her friends had two moms. And it was like a big deal. We use that as an opportunity, four and five or five and six or whatever, to talk to the kids about God's design for sexuality, God's design for marriage. You can turn it off and say, not in my house. You can do that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe we messed up, right? I'm not saying you always get it right. But don't, don't retreat. You, you got to build the foundation so that when they're on their own, whatever that looks like, they have something to come back to. Oh, geez. How about this? The third point is this. Enjoy with them the blessings of God. 
A parent's aim is to enjoy with them the blessings of God. We get to enjoy this. I'll read on. Deuteronomy 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers. When the Bible talks about milk and honey, he's saying cattle of a thousand hills, lots of dairy, honey, lots of of agriculture, lots of flowers, lots of room for bees, right? It's, it's the, the, the good life to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and, and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. See, parenting is, is heavy, but, but please don't leave today thinking that you must only talk to your kid about Jesus, right? He, he's looking and, he, and he's saying, look at all of the things that, that's real life and there's a blessing, there, there's, there's a future that God is preserving for us and it looks like it looks like real life and it looks like work and it looks like simple, the, the simple things of life. Some of us in this room are, are way over and some of us are way under on the way that we engage. And, and some need to be intentional and some need to be human about what discipling looks like. One thing we can do for sure is to enjoy the blessings of God and the blessings that he has given. The day in, day out things to be thankful for and the, the one day hope that we're, that we're being prepared for through every sorrow and every Joy. There is much joy in parenting. It's not all just, there's so much joy in it. There is a future ahead where all sorrow turns to joy. And because of that, the moments that we have here and now get to be redeemed and enjoyed as a family. And there's one thing that I think we all know, and you always hear this, it's so cliche because it's true, is, is man, it just goes so fast. Oh, parenting. Like, mom and dad, you, you can't control how your child responds to you. And, and sometimes the right thing will be the hard thing, but in the short time you have, you're helping to write the future story of your kids' memories and, and, and the memories of your grandkids and beyond. So, so how about this? Take interest in the interest of your kids. I'm not saying set Jesus aside. I'm just saying that if every conversation looks like this, there's probably some human element that you might be, might be missing on. Do you think that I'm saying that the word of God is not important? Child, please. <laughs> what I am saying is, is we get to take interest in the things that interest our children. Give care to their cares. And look, I, I've said this before even publicly, but, but if, you're, if your child's having a bad day in third grade, don't tell them, honey, it's not that big of a deal because your life's not very important anyway. Mom and dad have to pay taxes and provide food for you. And you say, well, that's silly. Okay, a, a relationship, whatever that looks like. And, oh, heartbroken, fifth grade, and, uh. And you'd say, well, this shouldn't be dating. Okay. Right? To say, oh, it's not a big deal. You're, honey, you're just in fifth grade. 
You have the rest of Yeah, but look, fifth grade is all the life that they have. You're just 40 years old. Get over yourself. You're just 65. Get over your... That's what you're telling. Listen. If a kid comes home with tears, listen to them. Take care in what they care about. Observe them. Know them. If you got a, a quiver full, gosh, I know it's tough, but, but know how they're different from one another. Study them. Figure out what they like. And, and, and some of us in this room are so rigid that your family couldn't point fun out in a fun house, and others wouldn't understand structure if, if a calendar was tattooed on your forehead. That's fine. <laughs> know that about yourself. Know how that, that know the culture that, that builds, regardless, have some fun enjoying the blessings of God with them for as long as you have them until the fullness of God's promise and blessing is realized. One day it will be so much more than milk and honey that we're enjoying. The perfect presence of, of our own dad, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer of all that is with us forever. You think that doesn't make a difference in the places where you fail? You better believe it does. Relationships are hard. Parenting is hard. Childing is hard. We have a beautiful relationship with our dad because of the perfect obedience of, of his earthly son. And this is the anchor of our hope in parenting. He was the child that we're trying to be. He was the child that we're trying to raise. He walked with his perfect father perfectly, and he empowers us, and he invites us to do the same. Because Christ was the perfect son, the grace he gives fills all the gaps of all of your failures. His mercy fills all the gaps of all the failures of your children, of you, of your parents, grandchildren. The band can come up. I want to close by, by reading Deuteronomy 20 because I think it's just cool. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6, 20. Listen to this. This is just later on in this same passage. When your son asks you in time, what is the meaning of, of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you. Or it might look something like this. Why do we go to church every week? Why do we light candles at Christmas time? Why do we pray together? Why do we do the things of the Lord? Why do we do these things? Then you, then you shall say to your son, listen to this. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, son. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded to us, do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. And he might preserve us alive as we are this very day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all his commandments. 
before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Dad, why are we doing all this? See, for God's children up to the point of the cross, the exodus was their only hope. It was the moment that revealed the nature of both the need for rescue and the God who rescues it. For us in this room, it was only a shadow of the greatest blessing to come, that it was Christ our Lord to rescue God's children. It is God our Father who parents us by giving us not what we want, but what we need. Parenting is hard. But there are a few things in life that rise to this level of importance. God has chosen parents to be the primary instruments in the shaping of a human soul. Remember what Paul Tripp says, I hate parenting. Well, I hate part of it. I hate that parenting takes place in a fallen world. There's no concept of parenting in a non-broken world, so we long for that day. Christ's obedience gives a glimpse of that day And we have an open invitation to family dinner where the only tears we will find are tears of thanksgiving and joy. Today we get to partake in that family dinner. We get to come to the table. For those who are in Christ, we get to eat of the bread, drink of the juice that represents Jesus' body broken, his blood spilled for us. I know this meets us in all sorts of different ways. There are ways that we can respond. Some questions on the screen. You can pray right where you are. You can stand up and sing with the band. You can pray over there. Someone would love to pray with you back by that red tree. This is for those who are in Christ. If you want to learn more about that, about him, about what communion is or or the Lord's Supper is, come and talk to us. We would love to chat with you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thanks for being a good dad. Would you shape us by your spirit? Would you let this conform us to be disciples who make disciples, whatever the influence we have, in Jesus' name, amen.